Lord, thank you for your, your wonderful favor that you always bestow upon us. And uh, we also thank you that uh, we have moments and times where we get to experience that favor in great ways. And so thank you for each one here. Uh, we lift up those who are not feeling well, um, kids and adults alike. We pray that you would touch them and, and help them to do well. We thank you again, Lord, for your word. Uh, help us to, uh, by the strength of your spirit, as your spirit teaches us to, to have a greater love for you because of our time that we spend. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So let's go to um, Mark chapter 12. We're going to finish up 38, I believe. And then we'll get into 39 and get confused. But anyway, um, so if someone would be willing to read... 41 through 44, I would greatly appreciate it. Good morning, Robert. How are you? (laughs) And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Okay. So um, when we read this, I'm sure, how many of you have are familiar with this section of Scripture, have heard the story before, right? Okay, um, and so, uh, you know, it's one of those things that we look to often, um, and so the question is, after, you know, we don't read this every day, so is there anything that you are observing as you hear these passages? Um, right off the bat, I, I wondered how come... Jesus was watching people put money in the treasury. It's interesting, huh? <laughs> it's kind guess, of like he was spying on Guess we say God knows who's giving and who's not, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and so some of it is our context, right? Um, there was a public display of giving in those days. That's how you did it. You walked in front of, uh, there was a public place in the front. They would go and put in. That's why the scribes and the Pharisees were able to be seen by how much they put in. Um, and I mean, we still see this in churches today. Uh, you know, pastor gets up there and says, "But I, you've probably, maybe you've never experienced this, but um, hey, we need X amount of dollars. And then they take the offering. The pastor talks for a little while later, gets a little note and says, hey, we didn't get enough. We're going to take the offering again. Uh, and, you're, and you're like, some of you are holding back. And it's like, wow, okay. Um, and it's not like, hey, we need to keep the lights on type thing. It's, a, it's usually a pet project or something that needs to get done. Um, but that is not uncommon in a lot of churches today is that they, they exalt the people who, who give a lot. Uh, you know, so you have to be careful when someone leaves a large endowment or they leave, you know, because a lot of times there's strings attached to that, um, you know, and so you have to, you know, it's one of those things that you have to navigate. Uh, and, and so it's, it's interesting because uh, this nothing new under the sun. 
So people were giving, and it is interesting that he's watching. Obviously, I think that he's watching because he's trying to make a point here. Um, and it was a public space, so they were able to sit and watch. I don't think it was uncommon for people to watch, obviously, because the scribes and Pharisees got to show people how much they're doing. It's kind of like, there was a cow. Was it, where, what church was it at? Man, my, my mind goes... Um, but <laughs> she had forgotten to put her, her check in the offering. And so at the end of service, she waves it like this. <laughs> and I get, I, 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 it must, I, what church was it? Anyway, I gave her a hard time. I'm like, what are you doing? You want everyone to know you're giving? No, I forgot. She goes, I guess, I'm like, well, you, you know. You just scriptural with a wave off. Yeah. <laughs> it's, supposed to be, it's supposed to be bread, though, I think. So we're okay. But I guess money's been called bread before, right? <laughs> Earn some dough. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so again, we see, we see some different things in here. So how do you understand the lesson that Jesus is teaching by making note of the poor widow? Okay. Oh, that's, there's that word should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's some there's some shouldisms in the. Yeah. We can change it with ought. It's the same thing. It just sounds different. <laughs> just, do it. just do it. What else? Well, she didn't have to give anything, but she gave her last two cents. Okay. Two. Okay. Two coins. Yeah. Yeah. So she's yeah, a widow, I would right? Struggle with that. Yeah. Right? Given my last. Yeah. Maybe the Pharisees, um, not the Pharisees, but maybe the disciples over there, maybe Jesus brought it for the great love. She was able to give all. She obviously respected God and had a confidence that, hey, you know, God will, God will carry you through. Okay. So we're tapping on this idea of, of she trusted God. She believed. She believed, right? I mean, we really don't know a lot of why she gave what she had, right? We just know that Jesus notes that she gave. So, there, so for us, that's, will, that's worthy of noting, right? That there's, this, there's this, this contrast to the scribes and the Pharisees who give large sums out of their abundance and she out of her poverty. Um, and then Jesus does clarify. She gives everything that she had left. Everything she had to live on. Why would somebody do that? <coughs> Well, obviously trust. Okay. Lots and lots of trust. And I mean, we, we often don't remember that it's all God's anyway. Mm. We're, just, we're just lent ownership mm. to it for mm-hmm. a period of time. Yeah. That's hard to get a, your head around either, too, but you know, mm-hmm. it's God's, yeah, King, ours. King David at the end of his life is talking to Solomon and he says, look, all I have is from God's have. I haven't gained anything. And some translators say that I haven't done anything to gain the riches that I have. Because he had um, collected everything pretty much that they needed for the temple to be built by the time he passed away. And, and he, he brought the kingdom you know, to, to, a great, uh, to greatness. And he recognized at the end, he goes, that wasn't my doing. I didn't do any of that. 
Um, and that's hard for us. I mean, you know, we, we are raised in a society that says work hard and you earn stuff. Right? <laughs> so, Steve. I was just saying, the Old Testament, I was just thinking about, um, not the Shudamite one, but Elijah over there, they have a famine and, and a, they go over there and, and there's, I think, a little bit of oil and says, mm-hmm. we're just going to eat this, me and my son. And then he says, make me a little cake over there. And, and then we're going to die. <laughs> then, well, that, that was her, her thing. It's, it's the end of the thing. We have no more. And um, the prophet goes over there and she does give a honors God sacrifice on it and he provides till the end of the, mm-hmm. the judgment. That, and uh, uh, through the prophet. And she could have been aware of that story since it was an Old Testament. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But that still would have been an act of faith. I mean, similar to us, we have all this knowledge, all these examples, and so when we do give, um, hopefully it is out of seeing how God provides for people. Um, And some of it is, what do we need? Um, and I think in, in our context, that is a, a, a real challenge in the United States to say, what do we need? We need lower gas prices, right? I mean, we need turkeys and eggs to cost less. But you all know as well as I do, people are still going to have Thanksgiving. Um, and the cutbacks will be minimal. I, I, I'm just, you know, everyone's complaining about it, but I think the cutbacks will be minimal. And so we look at that and go, we really don't understand, um, and I don't want to broad stroke this, but we don't understand giving our last Amen. bit to, to the Lord. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think we understand that. I, I don't understand it. Um, and some of that's because through the years when I didn't have anything, I was selfish and didn't give my last couple bucks. Because um, I'm like, I only have two bucks. And, and really, you look back at what's two bucks, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, well, it, I got like a half a tank of gas back in, the, well, maybe a tank of gas back in those days. So yeah, I, was was like to, I was able to get to work. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, I kept watching it yesterday. I'm like, what? Oh, you're thirsty, aren't you? No. <laughs> so were widows taken care of in those days or not? They were supposed to be taken care of. But we know, again, this is another reason why Jesus is calling out those. Well, it's another reason why Jesus is calling out the, the scribes and the Pharisees, because they would, they would not take care of their elderly parents or their widows, because they would say, oh, no, I've dedicated that money to the Lord. And though they weren't really dedicating, they, weren't, they were still well, using it upon themselves. That aside, I, I'm not so sure that the lesson here for us is about money. Okay. I think it's about how we are supposed to carry on with everything we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To give everything. I would it's agree. not just giving money, but it's you know, your time, your whatever it is. It's yeah. The lesson there is yeah. I, that's what I look for when I read these things. It's not just the obvious, what looks obvious. Correct. But there are underlying things there. Yeah, and that was um, and that was indicative of of what Jesus is trying to say. She gave everything, and we see that that really pattern. A lot of people say, "How much should I give?" And like ten percent. I said, "Well, even if they quote Old Testament, ten percent was still the bare minimum." If you look at all the offerings they gave in the ten percent, I, I remember can't remember what the number was. Somewhere in the sixty percent. <laughs> It's 63%, I think it was what it was. But if you look at the New Testament, the reality is everything, right? It's not so much about money. It's not so much about, about the gift. It's about giving your life a living sacrifice in Romans chapter 12. 
um, giving everything to the Lord, every moment, all that you do in word or deed, Colossians 3 says, do as unto the Lord, bringing glory to God the Father. And so we look at that and we realize that it's not so much about, because, I mean, you can, you can throw stuff in the, it's easy to throw stuff in, into the offering plate. That's easy. But to live every moment of every day, which is what she's showing us here. So let's look at Second Corinthians. How, Go ahead. How did she earn the two coins? Do women, did women work and get paid back? No, it would have been probably some sort of uh, um, either leftover from something that somebody gave her. Um, but the reality is the widows were supposed to be taken care of either by their family or there was what we would consider a type of welfare um, in those days. Uh, at, at this point in time, we don't know if it was the day before payday or, or you know, before the, her food stamps came in or whatever. You know, they'll look at it that way. We don't, we don't know that. Well, we work in the parking lot. <laughs> Camelot. The, the Camelot. Yeah. yeah she, just, she walked around all the pay phones. And <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of candy would be. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, you know, the little note here mm-hmm. says, the two coins are basically one sixty-fourth of a denarius, which is one sixty-fourth of a day's wages. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this nothing, nothing, nothing. It's very minimal. So, Second Corinthians nine six through twelve. Would somebody be kind enough to read that? Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Okay. So what can we take away from that passage there? I mean, there's a lot there, but what's the overarch, overarching uh, mess, you know, kind of theme? You should, you should want to do it, not be <laughs> asked to do it. Right, <clears throat> right. Be a cheerful giver. Yeah. And everything's a, a, a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. Um, things, you know, go ahead. Things will be taken care of. Yeah. I mean, there's those times, I've got to be honest with you, time, talents, and treasures where it's like, I don't want to, but I know I need to. And so I, out of obedience, you, you know, we're not just talking necessarily finances, but out of, out of obedience, I do. Um, and, and God still blesses that, even, you know, because you realize, okay, there is blessing in obedience. Um, again, but it's again, it's, it's individual. It's not like you have to do this. I mean, it's probably pretty important I show up on Sunday mornings. We'll call that one out. So, but I love to. So that's a whole different. Uh, uh, it's uh, Wednesday night. 
Uh, Paul had asked me, he goes, he goes, do you like hanging out with us? Because, or is it just a check mark on your list? I'm like, I wouldn't do it if it was just a check mark. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Um, and so I think that, that we have to realize that there are times where there is that blessing in the obedience. Um, and so when we look at this, um, sometimes the Thanksgiving isn't always in the moment. <laughs> it's afterwards like, okay. I was dealing with health issues years ago, and we had midweek service, um, and uh, and so, I you know I remember not wanting to go on Wednesday nights, but I I I had to play music, um, and that was my job, and and so for like a year, just really wrestled with it, and I kid you not, it was a struggle getting there every time though. Afterwards, I'm like, okay. Thank you, Lord, that you, that you held me to, to the standard, and it was good for me to be here. Um, and so I was able to thank him because he's such a blessing God. And so I think sometimes um, there are those moments in our lives that are really, really challenging. Um, and again, through the strength of the Spirit, we, we say, okay, I, I want to do this. I need to do this. Um, um, and yet, Lord, help me. <laughs> Lord, help me trust you. I mean, he gives us examples to, to Delane's point. We see examples over and over of people giving everything, and they didn't, they didn't suffer because of it. They, I mean, you, you know, they might have you know, uh, suffered in the temporary, but we see that this overarching theme is God's providing for them. They cared more about the eternal than they did about the temporal, which is a struggle for us. So how can we encourage one another to give cheerfully, whether it be... Money, whether it be time, whether it be talents. Talents being gifts and abilities that you have. I'm afraid if I would encourage somebody, it would sound like I'm... Being um, kind of legalistic. Mm -hmm. You know, you ought to spend a little more time... Okay. And how do you how do you word that so that it doesn't sound like you're um, being pharisaical or yeah. something? Or maybe so maybe if you observe someone that you know that this wow that was quite the sacrifice and you you give them a hug, pat mm-hmm. them on the back, and say wow that was that was really cool. I yeah. was blessed by you doing this. Yeah. And so. Yeah, I think I think that's more um, probably the the e- easier way to do it. Better way to do it um, is to find those moments when people are giving cheerfully and, and and encourage that. Or let's say you know they volunteer to do something and you you support that. They, you're like, man, it was really great that you did this. Um, Especially when you know that they're not feeling good, maybe. Right, right. Have so many other irons in the fire <clears throat> yeah. to be taken yeah. care of. Okay. Yeah. And that's, yeah, then, then you start treading a bit on um, are they uh, obsessive compulsive? <laughs> <laughs> Some stuff we just sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they feel like they, oh, they better, they better get in there and yeah. do a little bit more. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. yeah, but even in that, though, I mean, is, is to encourage them, now well, it's great what you get to do for the Lord, because that takes the attention off of their doing, right? It says, oh, that's right, I am doing this 
for the Lord. I mean, that is my, my heart and my desire. So um, what are some other ways we can encourage people to be cheerful givers? Yeah, oh, sorry. Okay. Don't mean to interrupt my, your spouse, but I just realized I put my offering in an orthodontist bill check. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say an orthodontist? Yeah, my orthodontist bill was doing so. I put my offering check in the, <laughs> the bill. I got one too. I'll probably get a phone call. <laughs> well, the, the, it depends. Is the orthodontist bill more expensive? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> So, there's a a box out in the Narthex with Hawthorne on it, encourage giving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Supposedly, right? I mean, you want at least put in people's minds that this is something that that, uh, could make a difference and, you know, so on and so forth. And I think it puts in the mind, too, Harold, that, that, that we're blessed. Right, when we realize there are kids who go to school who don't have lunches mm-hmm. and and can't afford the school lunch, which is minimal. I mean, to, in our minds, um, and they don't have. I, I hesitate to say this, but don't have parents who currently have the ability to make sure they're provided for. I'll say it that way. Steve, I'm going to say that maybe um, this lady over there that was giving over there, you know, says, "Well, the measure that you measure will be measured to you." Maybe she found out a little bit in her own life that uh, not only has God been faithful and generously giving, but uh, most people I, I, I know in my 50 years of looking at other people in, in the church, that uh, they're, uh, I won't say their testimony, but those that give generously, uh, the, just what you said, uh, it's not me, I honored the Lord and he's honored me back. The, the scriptures mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. unfolded before me, those... Uh, with a measure you measure, it'll be measured back to you. There's a, there's a sowing and a reaping there. Yeah. I think one way that we can encourage to is to be joyful in our service and in our giving. You, you know, And so when people see, wow, you actually enjoy uh, serving at the church. You actually enjoy you, you know, doing whatever it is. You actually enjoy... Uh, it, yeah, I do. Because I think that's convicting to... I mean, there, there's different reasons we come to church and different seasons we come to church. Um, but hopefully one of the things we find is that there's joy um, because we get to worship a holy God and we are called to come together to give him honor and give him glory. And in that, because he's so great, we get blessed in the process. I, we can't outgive God. And so, you know, people might say, oh, man, I'm giving up my time, my Sunday mornings to do this. Um, and, and so, but if we're like, what, why? Because I want God to be exalted. God has asked me to. God has said this is for us to come and honor him. Um, and, and not that every Sunday is a whoo-hoo. I mean, <laughs> you know, there are, some, there are some weeks you're like, okay. Um, and I always remind myself, well, there's another Sunday. That's good. You know, that might have been a bomb, but we got another one coming. And again, our perspective um, I was leading music um, Wednesday nights at first for uh, I don't know how many months before and I was getting mentored by a guy and I, on Thursdays I would go into his office and he would kind of chat with how the night went before and it had been a couple months and it was all new I, I mean I le- learned a new chord I was only able to play three and I was able to play four all of a sudden so it was pretty exciting and uh, I, I was getting close to standing up when I played guitar so I was getting pretty excited about that and uh, and he goes, well, how'd that, that's that go? I said, eh, 
I said, yeah. he goes, what'd you expect? <laughs> I mean, that was his way. He goes, you expect every single week to be awesome? He goes, some weeks aren't that way. And he goes, you do it for the Lord. You don't do it because it feels great or it's exciting. You do it and you trust the Lord. Um, and now, again, it's, it's nice when you like, experience joy and you, have, you enjoy the time with, with others. And, but uh, there are going to be some times you're like, hmm. You know, I think of parents with young kids. I was talking with Matt this last week. I said, you know, I said, you're in a season right now where um, you're probably not going to get a lot out of Sunday morning service. But this is really for you to... And, you know, to make sure your girls understand how important it is to come worship God, how important it is to be in church. Um, and if you get something out of it, whoo <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Um, but I think always encouraging parents with that, too. Um, I encouraged Tina about a couple of years ago, too. Is, hey, thank you for bringing your kids. I know some Sundays it's, it, you might as well not even come because that's how you feel. But there's, it's a bigger picture here. It's not just whether you get something out of Sunday morning. It's I'm pouring into my children. I'm showing us a pattern of what it is. Um, and that's, again, a sacrifice and uh, hard to do at times. But the, the end result, right, is what we're looking for. Um, I want the future of the church. I want my kids to actually love Jesus. I want my kids to, to worship God. I want them to know that um, part of, of life is you go to church on Sundays. Um, and not just because you check a box, but because... The, the least we can do is honor God at least one day a week. You know, obviously, to Delane's point, every moment of every day should be what we're looking for. But I'll take one day. I'll take an hour a week if I, if I can get people to get to that, right? So anyway, now we're going to move into some exciting, confusing stuff. Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. Somebody, please... Read this. And as he came out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone on another that will be known, will not be thrown down. Okay. So, now we, we can look at this uh, before we get too far into speculations and whatnot and theories that have been out there. We know that the destruction of the temple, that they were, I mean, they were very proud of their temple. Um, and it, we know the destruction happened in 70 AD. Um, we see that some um, Israelites were, Jews were trying to rise up against the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire decided to um, exhibit their power and uh, scattered and killed many, many Jews. They tore down um, the temple. And, and there is a practical here and a literal fulfillment of what Jesus is stating. That did happen. Again, one of the things we look at Jesus, he's a prophet, priest, and king. This is definitely a prophecy that was fulfilled. They would have said, oh, I remember the words of Jesus. He said that these stones were going to be torn down and sure enough they they would so that added validity to his ministry so is there a practical application though that we can glean from this interaction they didn't have bulldozers back then that always astounded me that if it took so many years i'm just thinking practical no yeah that's fine but anyway um it's significant 
There was a bit of slave labor involved. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <clears throat> There's comments in this book that says mm -hmm. huge stone blocks, some measuring 37 feet long by 18 feet wide by 12 feet high. Stonehenge. Which is, which, but again, which is why they pointed to that. They're like, look at that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then we know that a lot of the mortar that they used was gold that they put between these things to, to, to hold it together. That was one of the ornate coverings of gold. And so uh, if you look at the history of it, there's some theories um, that the Romans um, heated up, built fires and heated up the stones so that the gold would melt and they were easier to, to move and slide the stones. It's still huge stones, right? Oh my goodness, that's heavy. Right, <laughs> but you know, tear it down. It wasn't so much about the gold, it was about you know, really um, removing Jews from the face of the earth was what they were trying to do. Um, but, but, you know, on the, other, on the other hand, everything here on earth is temporary. Sure. And that's mm. what I take away from this, these mm. verses. Okay. Do you see a, a parallel, uh, <clears throat> Pastor, uh, uh, our society over there and the spiritual warfare that goes on of tearing down uh, the church, whether it be kids, government? Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 um, I hesitate to go that far with just this scripture. So... Um, I mean, I, not that that's not happening. Uh, I look at it for practical application a little bit to what, and again, it is to, to the attack that's on the church for sure, but a little bit to what Harold is saying too. Everything's temporary. We can get distracted very easily and say, look at what we've done. Look at this building. And I think in our context, I mean, I'm just going to be honest, we have a building on the hill that that's what, the emphasis has been, right? Look at what we've done. Look at this big building on the hill. And, and so we're faced with that contrast. And so the challenge that we have is, now I, don't get me wrong, we should, be, we should take care of our building and we should do everything we can to make it as inviting as possible and, and, and make improvements as often as we can, but it's never about the building. Right? It's always about God's people, which is the real building of Christ. Right? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, we're told. And so I did not recognize who just walked in. So um, keep, keep your eyes open. <laughs> um, they just went by real fast. Sorry. I thought temples were not important, is how I took this. Okay. But yet, yeah, fair enough. They're popping up all over the place. Yeah. No, I hear you. Temples are. I'm sorry, Bob. I, this always told me temples weren't important, but okay. you, you see them popping up all over for other churches. Yeah. They must yeah. think they're important, but I don't know what <laughs> The more the better, right? Yeah. Uh -oh. That's what's been said. Well, but again, it gives a, and I want to be careful here, because there's, there's, a, there's a balance between, man, God's moving, God's growing, we're building, versus... Um, we want to show you that something's happening and so we're going to build something. Um, and so we have to be careful that we, that we don't say, hey, you know, because, you know, that, I mean, churches growing and needing to, to build new buildings is, 
is not a bad thing. <laughs> In fact, if we're talking about true Christian churches, Bible-believing churches, we want to see growth in the kingdom of God, and that, and that happens. There's challenges with that, don't get me wrong. But are we doing it so people can think that we're, is, is it a false sense of activity? Let me just put it that way. Is it distracting us from, from, hey, God's saving people, God's moving, God's working in people's lives? So, so that's the tension that we hold there. Um, and so, yeah, but I think it's a simple interaction to go, first of all, Jesus said it was going to happen, and they were like, what? And it happened. Uh, so validity to his ministry. And second, it's never about the building. Buildings are great. I'm glad we have a place to come and meet like this. Um, but if our attention becomes only solely about this, um, then we're going to get sidetracked. Um, now, our growth in the Lord, we're hoping, actually pours into being a little more attentive to how can we use our facility to reach more people? How can we do these things that, that, that draw people? Um, but it's always about us growing first and us being, um, you know, those who have been, dist- I mean, it's kind of like the military. What do they do? Go those of you who serve there that your first little while in the military, you're kind of deconstructed, so to speak. <laughs> They're kind of m- making you feel like you're not what you thought you were, um, only so they can rebuild you. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> They don't, well, they make you into something. <laughs> Whether it's making you feel... Right, it's not what you want. But <laughs> and it's what you need to be for the task. This section here, I think, you know, it's what Harold mentioned, is that a lot of times we think what we're doing is so important. Mm. And, and uh, it's not going to stand. Right. All you have to do is look, go back 2,000 years... And what's standing that was there 2,000 years ago? Nothing, mm-hmm. uh, basically, except mm-hmm. maybe the pyramids, and they're on their way down. Uh, ask Putin about his bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a great bridge. Well, but I think, I think the point is, is what are we giving our attention to? Well, that's the point. Right? Yeah. Are we giving it to eternal things that we know have eternal value? Or are we putting it all on... Things on the hill. Right. Right. Um, yes. Just thinking ahead on 70 AD, that um, it's this, this is an example to me that God will allow some really awful things. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, things that seem um, that seem. Counter to his plan, right? Oh, but when we know his real plan is not to make the nation of Israel have great temples and and and, and everyone can look at their buildings, right? His plan is that he would reside in the hearts of man, and that his kingdom was other than this world. So again, we have the advantage, right, of looking back and going, okay. So even when we struggle and we have moments, I mean. I never want to be too political, but when we look at, at the last couple of years and the insecurity and the instability maybe that we have all felt to some degree um, or just disdain for whatever that's going on, um, I believe God is use, uses that though to go, wait, what are we focusing on? What are we put, placing our confidence in? 
Uh, and I'm not just talking about us personally, I'm just talking about as a nation. What are we putting our confidence in? Are we putting our confidence in, look how great we are, look at our great democracy, our republic, or are we putting it in Christ? And so that's the, that's the comfort we get, right? Is like, well, our kingdom's not of this world. Now, be an active citizen, let's not, I'm not saying we don't do that, but realize that there might be some things that we are very uncomfortable with that happen. Um, and there have been. Most of us, even, let's just put that aside, look at personal lives. Um, you, you know, I was uh, at pastor's prayer, and, and one of the pastors lost their adult son four years ago in a whitewater accident. And then we were talking about something else. That, uh, I was sharing that um, Tiana, who, uh, friends of Steve, who, you know, gave birth to their child, and the child died in the hospital. And he was saying, oh, yeah, that happened to us, too. So he's sharing, you know, it's very similar. The baby was alive for like 10 minutes, passed away. And so he's got that. Plus he has an adult child. And I'm like, man. And yet, and I, so I told him, I said, what a testimony you are. You're a pastor and you still trust God in the midst of, he goes, what else do I have to do? He, and so you look at those from the outside and we go, oh, how horrible. And he's like, those were catalysts. As my, one friend of mine says, these are faith defining moments. When he lost his brother in a car accident, this other guy. And he goes, that was a faith-defining moment for me to go, am I going to trust the Lord or not? And from the outside, we look in and go, tragedy, horrible, how could God? Instead, we go, wait a second, God, you know, God in the midst of a broken world is still active and still working. Um, so we look to the things um, that are in heaven. So listen to 3 through 13. I'll go ahead and read it. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of birth pains. But be on guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations, and when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now just think about this for a moment. The Holy Spirit had not been, had not been given to the church at Pentecost yet. And so there's, again, one of these things that Jesus is telling them is going to happen. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise uh, um, against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So just for the last few minutes, what are some observations <laughs> besides... Uh, that we have from the words of Jesus here. Next week, we're going to get into even more interesting stuff. Um, but uh, there's, there's a lot here. They warned us about false prophets. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's easy. Nothing's easy. <laughs> wars and rumors of wars certainly come, continues to come true. Right. Nothing new there. Right. You know, imagine to the church in China, this has a much greater significance to them than to us. Obviously, we know that we see at the beginning of the church that this was happening. 
they were, there was rumors of war. Um, the, the Jews rose up against the Romans. The Romans came and, took, and, and kind of scattered them all over the place. And, and by the way, God used that to scatter them. He used that to promote the gospel. So again, one of those tragic things that God's like, yeah, but if I didn't do this, the gospel wouldn't have gone to, as Jesus says, every nation here, right? And so we see um, that for the Jews, this would have been like, oh yeah, remember Jesus said, you're going to stand before councils. You're going to be persecuted. So for the disciples, especially, I mean, every one of them, with the exception of John, although they tried to martyr him, was martyred for the faith. So these would have been words that they would have held on to, um, and then rumors of war. And I like the, the earthquakes in various places and famines. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> I was going to say over there at the very beginning, it says, um, it says, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name. Mm-hmm. I am he, and will deceive many. I guess one of the other things is that there will be counterfeits of, of our faith and that we probably might need to be paying attention, like uh, whether it be the Athens Creed or... Nice and cream. We might want to look over what we believe and why we believe it. Well, and that's why we look at what people say and we compare it to Scripture. <laughs> Can they say what, you know? And there's a lot of teachers, uh, teachers, there's a lot of people out there that say some good stuff. But when you take what they say and you look at Scripture, like, that's not quite, it's close, but not quite right. So if you're one degree off, let's say you're on a ship and you're heading towards somewhere and you get one degree off. Are you going to make your destination? You might not feel like it for a while, but eventually you're going to be going in the opposite direction. Um, and so we have to be good students of the word, like, like what we're doing here. We, you know, we take time. We read and go, man, what does Jesus say? And if somebody says something, you're like, mm, man, how can they, you know? I even have to do that with my own words. Okay, does that really fit with the totality of scripture? <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, well, maybe not. Maybe I need to change. I mean, I like what I'm thinking, but that's not necessarily as, as glorious as what it needs to be. So um, we'll kind of talk about some of these challenges next week, and then we're going to get into the, uh, the abomination of desolation, which is crazy. And so um, I, I just give you some, some warning, not warning, caution. We read what's there. Things we don't understand, we leave in the Lord's hands. And we leave it at that. Um, There have been um, many, 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 especially since the 50s um, and the 70s, comments on the abomination of desolation. Um, And so we just want to take it with with careful hands and not just make some um, clear conclusions that maybe aren't there. Now... With that said, we could have some fun talking about theories and ideas around it. Well, it might not be fun to all of you. For geeks like me, it's kind of fun. So, Lord, thank you for your word. Thanks that uh, you uh, (laughs) told us reality, that we might know what is to come. So, Lord, uh, we ask that you would just bless us. Help us to, to live for that which is eternal, not put our hope in the things that are temporal, but also, Lord, to give every last bit of who we are. We can only do that uh, by the strength of your spirit. So thank you that you have done this for us. In Jesus' name, amen.